Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston. Get ready for a story that will inspire you. She's a wife, a mother, an athlete, a coach, a fitness instructor, and an organ donor. Welcome to the story of Shannon Silvestri. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Candy. I'm so delighted to meet you and to tell your story. So I thought what we would do is start out with Candy O's lightning round so that our listeners can get to know you better. Are you game? Okay, sure. What time do you get up in the morning? Uh, 4.30. What time do you go to bed? Nine. Sharp. Right-handed or a lefty? Righty. Favorite sport? Field hockey. Favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Best song ever? Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Ooh, okay. Best movie you ever saw? A League of Their Own. Let's dive into your story because it is so interesting. I know that you are also a Boston College girl like me. I heard that you were a graduate yeah. of Boston College. However, yes. I am not a two-time regional All-American, and I have not been inducted into the BC Hall of Fame, so congratulations for that. Thank you very much. What made you choose Boston College? I wanted to play field hockey, and I only played one year of field hockey in high school. And I had a friend that went to BC to play field hockey. She got the coach to come and watch me one game. From what I understand, it took one game for that coach to want me to come to BC. It was really a dream to play field hockey in college, and I got the chance. She offered me a partial scholarship, which was great for my family. That was how I got to go to BC. I was the first person in my family to go to college. Kind of started the role for the rest of my family, which was good. You know, there's a woman named Deb who's walking around with part of your body inside of her. Yep. This is a story about you donating a part of your liver to someone who you really didn't even know very well. Tell me how that happened. Deb is a bigger-than-life person in Beverly, very involved in the city, very involved at the high school. She worked on all the plays for years and years. She played on my softball team probably about 10 years ago, I'd say, 8 or 10 years ago. And that was really the only thing we had in common and still the only thing we have in common except for the shared liver. Her daughter had a big media push to get her a liver. She had her own billboard. She had a website. They were doing fundraisers. That's how I found out about it. Everybody in the city knew that she needed a liver. A lot of people had gotten tested, but she hadn't found one when I called to get tested. What was happening in your head on the day that you said to yourself, I'm going to call and just see if I'm a match? I felt like God called me to do it. And I thought to myself, if I don't call, Deb's going to die because I'm going to be the person to save her life. You knew that in your heart? That's how I felt from day one. What was it like on the day they called and said you're a match? The last test I had, I actually knew before I left the hospital, and I could not wait to get out of there so I could call Deb. What was that phone call like? I had called her the night before to tell her I was having this test. Of utmost importance is the life of the donor, and if they feel it's not a 100% sure thing that they can do, they won't do it. I was the third person to get to that. So she was a little wary if it was going to work or not. She just started crying on the phone. When you found out that you were the person who was going to be the donor, and now she knows, how quickly did you get to surgery? The whole thing actually was very quick from beginning. It was May I started testing to actual donation. September is a pretty quick time frame for a donation like that. At the time of the donation, death was very sick. I actually asked the doctor, I said, what if she's this sick when it's time for the transplant? He said, well, this is her only chance, so we're going we're gonna to do it. 
What did your family have to say about this? You've got three daughters? I do. I have three daughters, 21, 22, and 25. At that point, two of them were still in college, and my older one had graduated. But the first person I really had to talk to was my husband. He's really a saint. It really took two people. I said, if you're not comfortable at any point with me going through this, we'll stop. We went to the first day of testing together where they tell you basically all the things that could happen if you donated your liver. You know, they start with you could die, which not many people have. You could have these certain number of complications. After that initial education that we got, my nurse left and I said, well, what do you think? And he said, I think we should do it. Wow. Pretty strong love there. Yeah. How long have you been together? We met at BC, sophomore year, and uh, we've been married since 1990. Take me to the day that you were wheeled into that operating room, what were the last things you were thinking? I felt extremely calm. They get you up really early. I was already in the hospital at 4 a.m. My husband came over. I was wheeled down to the operating room. I did not have one iota of fear in my body when they rolled me down because I knew this is what I was supposed to do. When they wheeled you in, did they also wheel in Deb? How did that Not work? at the same time. They got me going first, and then from what I understand, she came down a couple hours later, and they started to prep her for the transplant. Let's go to the next day. And by the way, how long did the surgery last? Surgery was about 12 to 13 hours just for me. When you woke up in the recovery room, do you remember what your first thoughts were? Was it like, whoa, glad to be here? <laughs> no, they asked me, and they said, how do you feel? I said, I don't, I don't feel very good. <laughs> The next thing I remember, that was up in my room. That's yeah, all I remember. That's all you remember. Yeah. Talk about the first time you and Deb saw one another after the surgery. It was a long time because she had a lot of complications. She had to go back for two surgeries. And for the first 24 hours after surgery, it was pretty touch and go whether she was going to make it or not. When I left the hospital six days later, she was actually still being sedated in a coma. I think it was my two-week appointment. I got to see her. She was back out of ICU. She did not look good. I'm thinking to myself how I would feel if I had donated a part of my body and then the person who had received it wasn't doing well. What happens? How, how do you feel about that? There's definitely a connection. It is obviously major surgery. And when I went home, I really had a hard time. I was in a lot of pain. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I remember the last day I texted a friend and I said, you know, I'm so miserable, I can't do it. And that's when she had told me, Deb woke up this morning. She just woke up. I really feel like at that point, that was when now everything's going to be okay. Let's go back just a little bit, because I think that a person who's willing to donate a part of their body to someone else has been raised, has had a life experience that's very unique. Can you talk to us a little bit about where you come from and what things were like in your house when you were growing up? What was the golden rule there? I mean, I just grew up in a regular family, 60s and 70s. My mother stayed home. My dad worked for the telephone company. I had four brothers and a sister. I was always taught that I could do anything that the boys could do. I was out there playing baseball. My first coach was my father. I, I played goalie on his hockey team. You know, you mentioned that you met your husband at Boston College and that you got married in 1990. You decided that you were going to stay home with your children. Right. Talk to me a little bit about that. I think back in that day and age, it was a little bit more common for people to stay home. It was a struggle. For me, that was the one thing I had really wanted to do in my life. Watching my mother stay home, she was always at all of our sporting events and anything at school, and I wanted to be like my mother. I wanted to be able to do all those things. Was your mom your role model? I would have to say, yeah. She was always the one that said, you can do whatever you want to do. 
And you wanted to do the same thing for your daughters. Yes. You decided that you were going to become, I guess what we could call a tireless fundraiser for your children's schools Mm -hmm. and also a coach. Talk to me about that time in your life. My kids went to Catholic school. They accepted the parents' help. We were there all the time. That was kind of my job. I just love coaching. I still coach now. You know, when I was growing up, there was not a lot of female coaches. It was almost always men. I think it's nice for young kids to have a woman as a coach. I'm tough as a coach. I expect a lot, but I'm fun. Kids like me. I think they should have that role model as well, not just a dad doing it all. Athletics has been such an important part of your life. There's a certain discipline that athletes come to the table with, and it helps them later in life when they want to get a job. Talk to me a little bit about athletes' self-control and work ethic. I think that everybody should be on a team at some point in their life, whether they're the best player, middle of the road, or you know, end of the bench. Everybody on that team can learn from every other person on the team. I'm also told that you love to run. Mm -hmm. And that you were up and running within six months of your surgery? Yes. That's just crazy. Yeah. I took it really slow. I had a great trainer that helped me do things the right way. The one thing I did not, I had promised my husband that I would do everything that I was told to do by the professionals. I wrote in my bio that my surgeon said it took six to nine months for the Navy SEALs he worked with to get back to their full and complete job. I gave myself one full year. I didn't do a lot of things that other people did, but I got to do a lot of things that I would never have done if I didn't do this organ donation. I just took it slow and steady. That's what you have to do when you're starting out. You run all the time with a group. I do. What's that called? Training for nothing. <laughs> it really should be training for life, but it's, it's kind of a funny name because we, you know, we just like to do stuff together. We run. Mostly we run on Saturdays. We have coffee. It's what, a great group. What do you get out of running? Why do you love it so much? Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. It's really about forging a relationship and having a trusting relationship because your technology is very personal to you. It used to be in the old days that things were private. When you're online, nothing is private anymore. And we want to make sure that that information is kept confidential and with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with. You can trust TechHelpBoston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit techhelpboston.com. That's techhelpboston.com. Because I think it's something you can I can do by myself. Actually, I didn't love running as much as I do now. I was always concerned about the outcome of what I did when I ran. Like if I did a race, I wanted to do a certain time. Now, I feel like I enjoy more of the atmosphere and all the other things that go with the race. If I have a good time, great. If I don't, it doesn't matter because I'm not winning anything. Well, speaking of winning anything, you have always, I guess it was on your bucket list, to get a bib and run officially in the Boston Marathon. And that just happened. It did. I think a lot of people that go to BC and other athletes, whether they play at BC or not, and they see that Boston Marathon running by them every year, they want to run that race. And it is kind of a running joke that people say that I donated my liver so I could get a bib for the marathon, but that's not true. I should have asked you that in the lightning round. Yeah, exactly. I got a bib through the Liver Foundation, the American Liver Foundation, two years ago. My first year I ran, I ran in the freezing cold rain. Oh boy, that was a rough one. And I finished. 
And the only reason I finished that race is because I, I kept thinking of all the people that had donated to me. And I thought, I have to finish this race. And that's what willed me from mile 20 to 26 to get through that race. This year's race was a lot more pleasant. It was really nice out. And I think I ran this race for myself this year. I stopped, I took pictures, I saw my family. I saw a lot of friends on the route and it was just, it was such an awesome day. And I definitely want to do it again next year. As a group exercise instructor, you have an opportunity to talk to people about how to take care of themselves and give them your own philosophy on living a healthy life. What do you say? I see a lot of healthy people, but I also see a lot of people starting out in my, in my job. I love when people decide it's time to take time for themselves because a lot of us don't do that. And it doesn't have to be a lot. You make yourself a better person or a mother or whatever, worker, employee, if you take time to do something for yourself. And I think that exercising is a perfect way to do it. Ten years at the Beverly YMCA. What has been the biggest lesson for you as a group exercise instructor? Everybody comes from a different place. There are some people who have never exercised before. They have no idea what they're doing. And those are really the people you have to spend a lot more time with and encourage. I just tell them, start here, it's one day, but you have to come back. Come back again and come back again. Next thing you know, they're coming every day. Give us an update and let us know how Deb is doing with your liver. Deb is doing great with my liver. The past year, she has been very healthy. Yesterday, I saw her. We did the Liver Foundation Walk in South Boston. Last year, she basically stumbled through the whole thing. She's still having a lot of issues with equilibrium and everything. But she moted right through yesterday. She's back doing everything she loves. It's incredible to see pictures of her from before and now how she looks. And it's completely night and day. Is there a special connection now between the two of you? The funny thing is we literally have nothing in common. She likes doing plays and crafting, which I do not do at all. And I'm like super athletic, which she doesn't do. <laughs> it is amazing to think that there's a part of me in her keeping her alive. I just, it's kind I call, of overwhelming, isn't it? It is a little bit. I, I call her my other half. She's taken every single moment that she has had and has lived it to the fullest. To me, that's the best thing that could have happened. I'm going to guess that there was a moment where the two of you were alone at one point, and she thanked you. She did. What has she said? She said to me, you know, I didn't ever think I'd be here. I had already started planning my funeral. I knew the song I wanted to play, and I just I couldn't say anything to that. What do you say to a person who's listening to this program who has thought, I should be an organ donor? Maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Why should they? Nothing feels more incredible than saving somebody's life. No matter what else happens in my life, I have great kids, an incredible husband, and I saved somebody's life. 40 years ago, 45, who would have ever thought I'd be able to sit here and say I could do that? So my final question would be, at this moment, at this point in your life then, what does success mean to you? Success to me is just living a life with grace. My life has changed since this donation. I'm more appreciative of everything. I don't worry about things so much. What I received after, I just want to pay it forward. And if I can do that for the rest of my life, then I'll, I'll call my life a success. 
I want to say thank you so much for telling your story, for being a guest on The Story Behind Her Success. Shannon Silvestri, you are an exceptional woman. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about her. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?